Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhau, a therapist, artist, and writer. Today, Opal co-founders Tara Bazzi and Julie Church join me. Hi. Hi. Hello. We're going to be talking about things to anticipate during the holiday season. Um, We had an episode that came out just before Thanksgiving that was about different quick comebacks and um, rebuttals to say or to think about as you encounter some unwanted conversation um, around food or body-related issues. The sort of like, oh, hmm, have you put on some weight? Or, oh, like, are you really going to eat more of that? So if you want, you can go back to that. Um, and find that wherever you're listening to this one. (laughs) Um, But today we're going to be addressing a little bit more of how to approach food and your body during this time. And movement. And movement. (laughs) Yes, thank you. How would you guys describe um, sort of some of the the general attitude around food and body during this holiday season? I'd start with... uh... The first words, fear, compensation, weight gain, unhealthy, indulgence. Mm. Those are the words that come to, to my mind if somebody's kind of battling with the relationship with food and exercise in their body. I would add in like lack of control, um, out of the ordinary, like timing and scheduling and all that stuff being different too. Stress, general stress, overwhelm. Difference, yeah. Like don't know what foods are going to be there. It's not my normal stuff. Mm-hmm. That causes stress. Yes. And and for a lot of people, it's not their normal stuff. And they're like really excited about that. Right. And it's maybe one of the main opportunities to get to have some of those foods or they feel like it's kind of the exception to their regular routine or diet. And that's exciting, but also kind of scary at the same time. Mm-hmm. The holidays also have a really particular sort of density of parties and (laughs) um, density of big meals and family time and big gatherings. And that can be a really unique thing for some people. I think because of that, there's going to be a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. And not to mention just like a different schedule, different routine. Exactly. Yeah. Time off, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Have you guys thought about some like different ways that you would kind of think about these particular holiday-related challenges considering that you guys aren't disordered in your relationship to food and body? Like, if if a lot of people are holding some of that fear, how do you guys see it? For me, because I guess the way that I think of this season, I do think of it's going to, like, there's something that marks it that's different. There are probably, yeah, more social gatherings. I'd see, like, more drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think alcohol is more involved in this season. And I don't approach it with changing anything in my the way that I eat, right? So that feels very different than previous time in my life where compensation was high on my mind. But at this stage, this doesn't feel different or out of the ordinary in terms of the way that I approach eating. Um, I just think for me, the difference is that it's the holidays. There's There's more going on. There's more things kind of to be prepared for, more things to be considering in the calendar, but when it comes to my relationship with food or with exercise, I don't think of it as an adjustment or something that's different than how I approach it in different times of the year. It feels the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a calendar difference around time, I would say. Yeah. And and tasks. I think the anticipation around some of the special gatherings and the special meals and recipes and things like that are present. So then 
the staples are there, the everyday foods, the access to all that and the routines that I would normally have around how I'm taking care of myself and feeding myself are there. But then I'm also, yeah, oh, coming across the sweet potato bake recipe and thinking, oh, yeah, okay, well, let's see, we're going to Costco. So I could, oh, yeah, we could get those potatoes, you know, because they would be still good um, for when I'm baking that. So those kinds of logistics, I guess, and then just like anticipation around the joy of making them or some challenges actually too, like, oh, I want to make that pear upside down cake again that we made 20 years ago and Mm -hmm. sometime between now and the new year. And just some of those things have been popping in my head more. I also find it to be the fall. So we're talking about more fall and winter holidays right now in this conversation. But I just, yeah, in the fall, I find myself like wanting to bake and cook more, just hunker down and be warm. So it sort of is, I think, a connection to the holidays, but also just seasonally for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Wanting like warmer foods and comfort foods because of the seasonal change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to be eating those foods. I just don't cook them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why there's a difference with me because I'm not the one doing a lot of the cooking. My husband does. That's great. So, I but I like eating it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like it, it used to be something where I definitely loved the, um, like when I was a teenager, I loved all the different foods and the traditions and all the different things that we would do. As kids, my mom would have us try and tackle like a new cookie recipe almost every day after school. Mm. And I know, I know, I know. (laughs) I mean, she was a little, like we knew how to bake. So it was like pretty hands off, I think for her, but we would make cookies and then we'd collect them and then hand out like mixed cookie trays to all of our teachers and the Mm. bus driver and everybody. So this wasn't for like Two months. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. it was, you know, that's for a cool. week or two. And I just find that I just found that so fun, but also really stressful as a teenager to have so many sweets around with a mm. really difficult relationship with food. Mm. And I know that now I really still want to bake all of those things and feel connected and also don't have this sort of scarcity mentality of, oh my God, like this is the time where they're here. Like I feel like I have permission to make them whenever um, if I wanted to and I'm having sweets all the time. So it's not this sort of big fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, yeah, to think of the parenting side because right after I said I don't, I'm not cooking, <laughs> I do think about those kind of things with my kids, the traditions and because my, my, especially my oldest loves to bake. So she's, she's desiring to do that and and so, yeah, it might be a time where, like, let's put some thought into this because mm-hmm. usually I don't put thought into <laughs> those things as often. Yeah. Totally. And again, it would have an absence of fear and it's not fearful for my daughter. And so that all feels like more of a fun activity. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. a good indoor snowy day activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think it's interesting in movement, I would say that I probably have more space or thought. When I think back to my young adult self, maybe coming back from college or something, or even now I think of my life, there is more of that time off experience during the holidays and just different routines. And I would say that there's just more hopefulness that I will get to move my body in the way that I want to. So I always remember that in college that I would always pack my active wear to go to home to my parents' house. And even in my young adult life, having lived across the country from my family, like I've always packed those things when I go, even if I was not at all in a season of using them or doing anything routinely at all, I would always pack the stuff because knowing that I would have lazy day yeah, and I might want to go and, you know, lazy and unscheduled day that right. then maybe I would have the freedom and the ability to move in the way that I'd want to. So 
it seems similar to actually with the food is like, oh, yeah, more space and mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I want to think about that recipe. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have the same kind of relationship with the movement of like, oh, more space, then I'm going to maybe do something a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I totally relate to that. Yeah. I also think that like with family dynamics being a part of all of this, like I, I would want our listeners to get the sense that this is a time that can be really vulnerable and anxiety producing and overwhelming, whether it's just about logistics, like you said, Kara, or it's about having to go home and the stress that that brings. And our relationship to food and body can be, and movement can be one in which we are really like using it in order to control the emotion that comes mm-hmm. up. Or it can be something that's like a, a tool or a bright spot in the day that you get to like maybe bond with your difficult uncle through making the traditional food or you get to go on a run because you need a break from the dynamics or whatever it is. In terms of like how to approach kind of different holiday related like food scenarios or movement scenarios, do you guys have any sense of like tips that would be helpful around like what a kind of an attuned eater might do? Hmm. I have one right off the bat that I think is really practical. I think that somebody that's sort of in the midst of their eating disorder could use this, <laughs> and they're really trying to find ways out. I think somebody that's really seeking recovery and then just normal eater is just what is the food that you really do want to eat on that day and being really connected to that and then making it and bringing it. I'm thinking about going to an event. Okay. Um, bringing the food that you know that you're really excited to eat. And I know that somebody in, in the midst of an eating disorder might use that as, this is just my safe food. This is the only thing I'm going to eat. That's all. But I also think it can be reframed to say, like, it's okay. Bring something that you are going to engage in and that allows for you to come to the table and eat. And yes, I would still be recommending to add those other things that also look good. But I just think that that's a wonderfully hospitable, well-received thing that you can do when you go to somebody else's home is that you bring something. And it's okay if that brings a little comfort. You know, I found that over the course of my experience of being far away from my family and my traditions that I learned like, oh, yeah, that's right. I can bring the stuff that I want to do and that I want to engage with and eat and enjoy. And it's Mm well-received. It's also interesting. I was thinking about that in a non-food way too, like of especially with maybe a lot of relational dynamics in a family setting is thinking about what is something I want to bring into that scenario that would give me joy or pleasure. So like if there's a favorite game you have at home that you bring that game to the family occasion, right? Like that there's some sort of ownership and maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe people don't want to engage in the game, but that you've put thought into something that that, that, that you'd enjoy and that you're bringing in. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the food front, I was also thinking of Um, Just with schedules being out of whack or timing being out of whack to just keep eating um, when you're hungry, (laughs) like thinking of getting hung up potentially on am I having too much food or I'm going to be eating at that time so I don't want to eat now. But if you're going into these experiences really hungry because you're waiting until the late dinner or this weird time of having a meal or having food, that's not setting up your body well and that's not being attuned to your body Mm -hmm. to be kind of... Mm-hmm. I don't know what we, yeah. even words you'd put to it, Julie, but like yeah. waiting, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, pushing it up. yeah I, it's so tricky because I know I've talked through this whole like eat, yeah, you wake up if you're hungry, you know, this or your routine and your meal plan right now says eat, like eat. And I think that the mentality around holidays is that people will 
overeat or people that they're usually eating maybe a normal meal with, they would then expect to see everyone having two platefuls of food and overflowing plates. And so then when somebody comes and they've had their breakfast and they've had their snacks and they've had their lunch and then the meal's at four o'clock, yeah, the stuff looks good, but like they've been eating all day in comparison mm-hmm. to their relatives that actually haven't eaten all day and they yeah. come and they pile up all this stuff. So then well, wait, I know I'm struggling with an eating disorder and now my plate looks bad, but like, I promise I'm, I've been <laughs> eating well. And I'm always like, I know it's such a bind. Like yeah. you don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be feeding yourself well. And so I think it's this, it's this funny balance. And I, I, I always recommend people just be in the moment. Yeah. And so it's, it, you know, eat what's what you need to eat right then. That feels like the right thing. And then when you get to whenever the food is served, yeah. eat in that moment what you need to eat in that moment, according to your body cues and your attunement. And, you know, if you're in earlier phases, like your meal plan and what you need to do to comply to that, too. So it's it's fuzzy. You know, I feel like it goes back yeah. both ways in that way of like how you're how that's going to be perceived and. Um, sometimes that can backfire for people to be mm-hmm. yeah. eating throughout the day on a holiday. But I'm saying it doesn't backfire truly, but right. it might need to do some communication, maybe just like a little bit more overt communication with the people around you about about the way you're eating and how you're caring for yourself. Mm-hmm. The other dynamic that I'm aware of for even for myself it, that can create some disappointment um, is if you are tuning into your body and responding to your hunger cues and you're not then as hungry for this one, per, you know, this celebratory meal, for example, but for me who's preference driven, like that celebratory meal might be so much better. Like mm-hmm. so many foods I'm excited to eat or sure. they look so, you know, whereas my snack might have been really boring and not as exciting. And yet I still want to respond to my hunger. And that might mean that I'm not having as much of an appetite for all the things that are actually taste way better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leftovers are good. Yep. You can hopefully have them there later. <laughs> and another strategy that I like, the, one of the things that I think about is because I like the taste of food so much is just being able, like sharing plates and tasting other people, like at least having the opportunity to, t- to taste to taste everything I want to taste, mm-hmm. essentially. That's fun. And then it might not be I'm having all of all of these things in all of their quantities or that could be leftovers or whatever. But that helps. Mm -hmm. That's one strategy to get Mm -hmm. some of the preference piece in Mm -hmm. and the taste buds. Yeah, I was just thinking about like a buffet of holiday desserts. Mm. (laughs) I was like... Yeah, I want to try them all. I know. I have a memory of my actual plate. Like it's always the same on Christmas Day with like a tiny bit of like peppermint ice cream. And I've already had like maybe two, three courses of food. (laughs) There's like a little bit of peppermint ice cream with like Oreos on top and then there's a cookie and then there's a tart and then Mm -hmm. there's like a Bush Noel and it's like all there and (laughs) like a little sample plate. Yeah. So fun. The other thing that I'm naming or just aware in this conversation too is just that attuned eaters, normal eaters – also very commonly will will overeat. Yes. In a holiday right. scenario when there are really pleasurable and novel things that are being served. So I also think that I want to make sure that that's being heard in this conversation because um, I think my example was maybe showing how a plate might not look as full and right. overflowing. And I think also that is very normal to yes. also have that um, different style of eating on a holiday day or um, around the holidays or um, and I think that's also just something to normalize that mm-hmm. it's totally okay to yes. eat differently on that day if that's gonna be something that works for you yeah yep yeah I think that that's really important to say because it is a time with a lot of unique food to try and that you might not get 
for the rest of the year because of whatever reason. And it can be like, I think an important thing to think about the different kinds of experiences of fullness that you might have if you wind up eating all that stuff that you are really excited about. You might feel really full and that could be okay that you feel full. What starts getting problematic is when you are berating yourself for being full or berating yourself for having eaten or equating the fullness with sort of an unpleasurable experience Mm -hmm. or a sort of label of like having suddenly gained weight from all of it and, you know, Mm -hmm. then you start spinning. I think as a normal eater, there might also be in preparation for knowing that there's going to be this abundance served in 90 minutes or whatever, there might be a bit more toleration for hunger Mm -hmm. uh, and the level of hunger that one is experiencing so that it might get even a little bit more on the like, on a normal day, I'd be eating right now and find something, but I know it's coming. And so I think I'm going to just let that happen. And my anticipation builds and my salivation is increasing and my, you know, all those things. And yes, that probably is going to mean I get to eat more later and that's okay. But I think just finding the balance, I don't think a normal eater is going to miss all day. (laughs) Right? It's more of a And that accompanies accompanies like just the variations of normal eaters, right? Like people can make different decisions in those moments depending on what the needs are, the priorities or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? What about in terms of uh, any considerations around movement in terms of what would maybe be different or a new way to think about movement during the holiday season? Because I I think that the most commonly referred to attitude uh, with movement is that it's sort of for compensatory reasons. It's used for compensation around all the meals. Um, So the new way of thinking about it is it not being compensatory. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty straightforward. (laughs) A Oh, I want to move. A Go move. And what a move. Don't move. And in that, like Julie's saying, like what's different in that holiday season that would lead to different desires or different things, different Mm -hmm. factors with relationship with movement? Like, is it snowing outside? And so therefore you can't do certain things because of the snow on the ground. Or you get to do certain things. Or you get to do the snowball fight and you're running around with a snowball fight, right? right? Like, I just think... Yeah, you might have more time potentially if you have a break. Maybe you don't have time if you're you're working through the holidays. I don't know. Like, yeah, if it's not about compensation, what could this unique season, just what different factors does it bring up in relationship mm-hmm. to movement that you'd be thinking about in attunement just generally? Yeah, it. I would also say that uh, I have compassion for the – gray zone around this and how I know that I'm certainly sometimes in environments where in the midst of the holidays, then there are people that are motivated to move and it is kind of related to the way the day has gone. And it's not specifically about what people have been eating necessarily. People aren't necessarily like overtly talking about that, but they're like, let's get out. Wouldn't it feel good? Like, And I just think that that's a gray area of how, like, what are people's motives? And we can't always know people's motives (laughs) Mm -hmm. of those people around us. So I just also think, like, hey, like, it's the whole, like, culture around the turkey trot or Mm -hmm. something like that that's specifically around that has – I think so many people do use it in a disordered compensatory way. And I also think, like, it can be a fun joining family activity to go and – 
have a fun live music and walk around yeah. and be outside you know. when you're going to be right, inside totally. at a table so, sitting the whole day. Yeah, I'm just yeah. kind of sure. like speaking to the gray of that because I think it gets real fuzzy. And I think when somebody is in a really cautious place in a recovery of their eating disorder or trying to work on movement, there can be the black and white. There's just different stuff going on. I find myself like also bringing sort of, you know, running shoes when I haven't gone on a run in like months to my parents' house because mm-hmm. I like, well, I might have some time or I might get really sick of standing in the kitchen <laughs> and like talking and cooking and like mm-hmm. I might get really sick of that and want to do something totally different than my normal routine, mm-hmm. which is suddenly going to include a run or ice skating or whatever it is. Um Yeah, movement can be a fun thing to do socially with the relatives or friends that you're with, too. Right. And so then that's the opportunity of, like, I always felt like, oh, I want to be – I want my shoes around or just in case I could go for a walk with some friends or family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that this can be a season that asks you to trust your body and your relationship to food in a way that you might not have as much kind of uh, regular routine or control over as other times in your life. And – that this is a season that is um, one that eventually ends. So it gets to be enjoyed. And I hope that everyone that's been listening today can feel a sort of permission to go on the holidays and like get to try some new things, some foods that are really exciting to them. And also like have a, like a relationship to food that is not like perfectly thought out in every single way. Like it's normal to not do everything the way that you thought you would or to move in a different way or not move at all or overeat or accidentally realize that you went too long without eating. Like it's it's part of it. And there can be a recalibration after the holiday season, mm-hmm. emotionally, physically, all of it that does not need to be something that winds up being compensatory. Like this mm-hmm. is sort of a call to a general trust and attunement of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my thought with that too is data collection. Yeah. I think it can be a time Thanks. to data collect around who you really are as an eater um, or as a mover. Like, What were some of those pulls or draws? And maybe you're in a place that you might not do it or you might do too much of it or too little of that <laughs> draw. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Like, It still could be a moment to data collect to go, I think I really am a person that likes chocolate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? I mean... Yeah. Um, To even go back to that first question of like, instead of approaching the season with fear, like approaching it, like you're saying, Julie, with opportunity, it's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. It could be an opportunity. And if it's an opportunity for data collection, like how cool. Yep. Yep. I remember like once I I started paying more attention to eating in an attuned way, the question was less about like what's wrong with my body and what's wrong with my what I'm eating, but more like, what am I actually feeling in these scenarios in which I'm either wanting to restrict or like kind of binging and what's going on for me in these environments and how can I address that the next time I come home or go to a party or do whatever that is, has nothing to do with food and be prepared for the next time emotionally. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, If you want to follow along with Opal, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Opal Food and Body. And if you want to learn more about our community events and our programming for outpatient IOP and PHP um, treatment at Opal, make sure you go to opalfoodandbody.com. Thank you to Daniel Gunther at Jackstraw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. Join us next time. Bye.